Welcome to the Battle of the Atom Holiday Spectacular. This is your yearly episode of Battle of the Atom, where we rank all the X-Men Christmas stories from A to Z. I'm Santa. And I am... Jesus? No, no, no. (laughs) I was going to go with the Winter Warlock from... uh, Santa Claus is coming to town, which, hmm. by the way, if you guys have not watched Santa Claus is coming to town, no one talks about the Winter Warlock when we're talking about larger Santa canon. He just gets left out. And I think that's fair. Uh, yeah, because the, the only Santa canon I care about is Grant Morrison's Claus, where Santa is Batman and he kills a demon by saying there are no naughty children. <laughs> it's very good. Oh, not, Did you know that? I've never heard of that before. That was a that was a revelation to me just now. Oh no. Uh Grant Morrison and Dan Mora do uh Santa Claus Year One, the dark gritty reboot of Santa. Wow. That but sounds it's fun. Good. Like <laughs> it shouldn't well, work. Hey, it's very it's Grant good. Morrison, I, I think it should work. I mean, he's usually pretty good. Yeah, it's on Hoopla, which is a library app. That you can yeah. get for your mobile devices. So celebrate the holidays by checking that out. Anyone, Adam, you're invited to. I will yes. be using all of my hooplas to continue to read Astro City, which is very good. Also, <laughs> not Christmas time, though. No, but we do have some Christmas stories. And we're not doing anything. Uh, none of this is Patreon requests today, correct? It's not. And that's because it's Christmas, y'all. It's Yay. the general holiday season. But guys, the X-Men are known for being pretty waspy, so all of their holiday stories are Christmas stories, except for the Hanukkah one we covered last year. Mm-hmm. Yep. But we're, so, we're going to do some classic ones today. Um, we I, are. Yeah. This is one of the most classic stories we've done in mm-hmm. a while. I don't think we've jumped into, the, uh, jumped into the, any of the Cockrum stuff. It's been a while since we've touched this because um, I think, you know, we did the Brood Saga. Um, right, we also right. did that, that giant size backup thing. But uh, you're right. This is Uncanny X-Men 98 to 100, uh, which starts on page one with Merry Christmas, X-Men. Merry Christmas, X-Men. This is fun. If everyone recalls a last year where we did the story where the X-Men team up with Santa Claus... Yeah. The first three pages of this happen around that story. So this is <laughs> this is weird. So because what people don't always, I think, think this is like the third arc. Right. There, yeah. there was Count Nefaria stuff. There was mm-hmm. like a one one issue thing with the Nagari. There was there the red stuff. And now it's this. That's well, and you, I think you can make a, a pretty good argument that this is really where it gets like x-men right this is this is where claremont finds his footing on the book yeah always been a very good artist and Mm -hmm. in these three issues he absolutely shines i had forgotten how much i loved his stuff 
oh, he is drawing the most amazing screaming faces and fight scenes. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. So uh, besides it being the Christmas time, what happens in this issue, Adam? Well, we start off at Rockefeller Center. It's a very nice, uh, you know, wintry night. And uh, we get the Sentinels attacking, which, um, you know, not good for mutants. And uh, after... After, uh, you know, some Sentinels fisticuffs and a uh, jump over to a side story with everybody's favorite, uh, Peter Corbeau. Peter Corbeau, who's very into Edgar Rice Burroughs novels, so much so he named his boat after a character in it. Uh, yeah, his his boat is named Deja Thoris, right? Who is the mm-hmm. princess of Mars? Did I get that right? I think so. I, yeah. I ain't read nothing of Jarter related activity. <laughs> it seems just impenetrable at this point. I only know about that name because Leah Williams is writing her and I think Barbarella, I forget. It's a crossover that Leah's doing next year. Oh, cool. Very cool. Um, so anyway, the the X-Men, um, well, some most of the X-Men uh, get imprisoned by Stephen Lang and don't realize that they're actually imprisoned in outer space. Um, right. Which that's, is a that's a good that's a good way to end a jailbreak it's like oops guys you're in space <laughs> you've never been here before but it's gonna be tough yeah the cliffhanger at the end of 98 going into 99 is awesome because we have x-men just sort of like floating around uh outside of the space station and eventually this leads to the all-new team uh kind of facing off against the uh the silver age team uh at least that's what the cover advertises yeah, uh, they're robots. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think it's a very famous cover on Un- Uncanny X Men One Hundred. It's Professor X saying, "Now we all fight," and it's the X Men fighting the X Men. But one <laughs> of the X Men's are robots, and it's fun. And there's a lot of good punching. There's a lot of good Sentinels blowing up and robots getting stabbed, and all of that fun stuff in here. Again, Cockrum does the action scenes so very well. Yeah, uh, there's a couple, there's a really great uh, double page spread um, in issue 100 of that X-Men versus X-Men fight that is mm-hmm. just fantastic. Um, so awesome action throughout. Like I said, there's a lot of like really great Cockrum screaming faces, which I, I like a lot. Um, and actually, there's another double page spread there, too, of Lang kind of like shouting at the top of his lungs and oh, yeah. all these panels spread out around him. Um, it still has like a, a tinge of silver age craziness to it, but, um, it's definitely starting to transition into this, this classic X-Men era that we know and we love. Yeah. It's, it's a very fun story. Also an important thing happens at the end of issue 100, a pretty darn important thing that affects all of continuity forever. Well, it, what's what's interesting is that, the you know, some of the X-Men have been left on Earth and need to just like sort of pop into a spaceship and, you know, fly out of the atmosphere, which um, I guess you can do for you a reasonable do, amount of money. You can do when you're friends with super doctor astronaut Peter Corbeau of Star Corps, who was already <laughs> having a flight and just said, hey, uh, you astronauts, your dreams of going to space. Uh-uh, screw them, the X-Men. The X-Men have to go rescue their friends from robots. Yes. Even if Colossus is a little nervous because his brother, Mikhail, um, you know, disappeared in space, a oh, space mission. Petey. Petey is not happy about this. He explodes <laughs> his spacesuit. He's so yeah. stressed. He blows up his spacesuit. 
Um, yeah, and, and so you you alluded to this before, but on the way back into the atmosphere, famously, Jean Grey has to uh, sacrifice herself to save the rest of the team. And uh, this is before we start to get into the era of the Phoenix. And it's a very good death. Like, Jean hadn't been in this book, which is the weird thing. She was in, what, 94 uh, for a couple of pages while she leaves the team. Mm-hmm. And she has not been around. So 98, uh, having, uh, what's it called, Christmas with Cyclops, is the first time we've really seen her since the Silver Age. Yeah, and um, I remember very distinctly the uh, X-Men classic vignette that ties into this particular story where it's told completely in silence um, and it's it's her getting ready for this date. And I always loved that story. That was always my favorite of the vignettes. Um, but just the, I feel like the, the setting of New York at Christmas um, at Rockefeller Center and having the Sentinels attack is such a classic, classic X-Men moment. Um, I, I love it. Yeah, it's it's great. Uh, one thing that gets often forgotten is in the Silver Age, Gene and, Co- Gene and Scott weren't a couple. Uh, they both just longed for each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we get this death and Scott's obviously distraught. But you buy into it because these three issues have done such a good job selling that their relationship is important to one another. Mm -hmm. It does such a good job of that, that you're like, okay, I get it. Jean sacrificing herself, you know, just say, hey, it's only going to take, what, 17 minutes, only the rest of my life. It's so good. Yeah, And then some really cool stuff happens next. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, and I, I like that we split this. I, I realize that some people may harp that like, you know, 101 is still part of this story. But, you know, we're really getting into the start of where, you know, really until we get <laughs> to the end of Claremont's run, it really is all one story. Right. Um, so and to be clear, yeah. guys, 101 is part of a different story arc that's going to be part of our St. Patrick's Day special. But we'll mm-hmm. get to that. Yes, yes, we will get there eventually. Um, that's not a joke, Adam. I have actually already planned our St. Patrick's Day special. We'll talk I, about it off air. I believe it. I I wouldn't doubt you for a second. Um, so lots of great stuff here. I think this is like very, very classic key X-Men. This is the kind of an X-Men story that you could give to someone who's never read the book before if you wanted to get an idea of what X-Men is about. And I feel like this is a great example. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's talk about it in terms of our list. We have on this list, uh, on this show, we kind of alluded to it at the beginning, but in case you're just joining us in this blessed holiday season, we rank every X-Men story uh, in terms of best to worst. So we have 174 on our list uh, right now. Number one is Uncanny X-Men, Days of Future Past. Number two is uh, Astonishing X-Men Gifted. Number three is God Loves, Man Kills. And all the way near the bottom at number 172 is NYX, 173 X-Men Phoenix Legacy of Fire, and 174 Uncanny X-Men The Draco. Yeah, so (sighs) kind of a mix of really good stuff and why did I have to say those words out loud again? (laughs) Stuff, which is rough. Uh, Well, I guess the middle of the list is like... Yeah, where are we at? The middle middle of the list is like X Men Blue cross time capers. 
Yeah. Which sounds about no, actually, I think the I think the absolute middle of our list is the Savage Land Shiar story around yeah. Uncanny 275, which has been a our uh a weird sticking point for us. This is better yeah. than that, though. In fact, I, I think this is a very good story. I do too. Um, so we have some other Cockrum Claremont stuff towards the top of our list. Um, I mentioned the Brood Saga before, and that is at number 18. And then we also have um, Cockrum's Nightcrawler miniseries all the way up at 15. How do you think this compares? I mean, are we talking that high in the list here? It's not as good as Murder World at 14. It's not as good as the Cockrum Nightcrawler at 15. It's probably not as good as the Brood Saga at 18. But okay. I think it's better than X-Men Volume 2, 1 through 3, Mutant Genesis at 25. I do too. Um, right below the Brood Saga, we have Life Death 2 and Life Death 1. Um, and then that is followed by Generation X 1 to 3. I do think this is better than the first three issues of Gen X. Just I in do. terms of being like absolute classic X-Men stories that, you know, you got to read to get with what this whole thing is about. No, I, I absolutely agree with you there. I'm going to suggest splitting up the life deaths because interesting hey we haven't done that yet we haven't done that yet and those have been on here for a while yes uh, but i think i think life death life death 2 is a stronger standalone story okay it doesn't have the weird stuff that's a rom space night tie-in <laughs> i'm forgetting their names it'll come to me the uh, uh the diorates the diorates yes thank yeah. you adam no problem uh I, I think this is better than life death Okay. I think, I think this should be the new number 20 on our list. Let's do it. That's a great place for it. All right. Uh, I'm going to call this Sentinel Christmas until I remember what it's actually called. I like that. That's got a nice ring to it, you know? Yeah. Sentinel Christmas. I mean, not that you ever want Sentinels to come to your Christmas party. That nah. is a huge disappointment if you are hosting. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> what wouldn't be a disappointment is if, Things that Marauders, no, not Marauders, Reavers stole from you, got brought back to you on Christmas in Uncanny X-Men 230, uh, which I have written down as Australia Christmas, and it's called Twas the Night, actually. Uh, <laughs> well, but it is the Australia era. Um, we have We have Sylvestri doing art, um, and this is, you know, I've spoken on the show before about how I love this era, so this is a fun issue. Um, we have Longshot discovering that I guess he has a power we haven't seen before called psychometry. Have we I seen this before? I think he's had it before, yeah? but okay. that's one of those powers that like you only have so that you can use it as a plot device. <laughs> yeah. and it only comes up when you write a plot device around it. <laughs> well, it only and... happens when you write yourself into a corner the first time and you're like, crap. What do I do here? <laughs> well, when you need your character to stumble into the basement and talk to bracelets and necklaces, then uh, it comes, it really does come in handy. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, it, it works here. Uh, Cause <laughs> there's the X-Men are still exploring their fun, new, uh, their fun, new Australian town where they live that they, that they stole from the Reavers who stole it from someone else. The Reavers mm -hmm. are bad actually. Uh, and then they find a bunch of treasure and they're like, hey, let's go return this on Christmas using our new silent teleporty boy gateway. <laughs> uh, who in, in, 
you know, they're not completely using him. Uh, Rogue has some really nice moments with Gateway where uh, he, she's sort of befriending him. Um, gives Honestly, him... my favorite moments of the uh, of the entire book are the scenes with Rogue and Gateway. I think there's a lot of good touching stuff in there. It, it's so interesting that you say that. Um, I recently listened to uh, This Week in Marvel. Um, a couple of weeks ago, they did an episode with um, Jordan White and then um, Brisson, Rosenberg, and Thompson. And hmm. Thompson actually talked about in that interview how she really wishes that she could go back and revisit, which makes sense because she's writing Rogue right now. She could um, go back and revisit this friendship between a rogue and gateway because she feels like it got left open-ended and i was like "Ooh, i would love to see that that'd be great it did kind of everything about gateway got left open-ended and then he died right yeah yep so a little more difficult to revisit when the character is not around but um gateway's never coming back is he i don't know <laughs> he is a sort of teleporter weird thing you don't you know his, his powers are kind of ill-defined so he died mm. in uncanny x-force so it was graphic Ugh. yeah <laughs> that's unfortunate um i love the setup of this though we're, we're sort of in between missions uh maddie Pryor is great as sort of like the man in the chair um mm-hmm. they're running some exercises dazzler is you know kind of dealing with her surroundings i think storm washes out an entire building with uh, a flood which, <laughs> which is not a good way to wash this you're gonna have mold issues gonna you're say, never yeah. gonna get that dry it seemed like a terrible idea um but the basic premise of the latter half of the book where they go and they return all of this stuff like you know secret santas i, I love it i just think it's it's such a a nice you know almost uncharacteristic thing for this this team you know I think that's that's the hang up for me, honestly. Okay. Yeah. It feels a little contrived. Yes, it feels very contrived to me. Also, that the way that Sylvester draws this treasure, there's not like 20 pieces of treasure that they have to get across the globe in a day. There's <laughs> 20 billion. That was always my hang up with the story was when Longshot stumbles onto it. It's a two page spread and it basically looks like gold is carpeting the entire basement of this like warehouse. There's no way it all got returned. It looks like the Cave of Wonders from Aladdin is what (laughs) it looks like. Yes. Um, Hey, but they you know, they didn't return all of it because Dazzler gets a really cool new motorcycle out of the deal. Dazzler does get a cool motorcycle out of the deal. That part's nice. (laughs) <laughs> like it's this is a fine story but there's a lot of there are a lot of outback stories that i would rather read than this one is i think where i personally land on it it's not it's not what i think of when i think of this era of x-men i'll see i don't know i i feel like there's some real fun kind of team building character moments here that i really enjoy but i'm also just a, a big fan of this era so anytime that i get to see this combination of the characters interacting in this environment. Um, I realize that this issue isn't really key. Um, it, it's an in-betweener, but you know, there is some development here that that's kind of fun. Um, mm-hmm. and I, and you're right. Like, is the premise contrived? You know, the reverse have always struck me as somewhat incompetent. So for <laughs> them to have even collected all of this treasure seems a little bit, you know, suspect. The but, reavers um, are just, I don't even know what to say about the Reavers. They but sure are characters that keep popping up, you know. <laughs> I know Bonebreaker. I know Pretty Boy is one of them. 
and then I know like Cole and Marcone and someone else are the three relatively normal ones. But like Bonebreaker's the only one anyone cares about, right? And we don't really care about him. He just has a cool design because he's a half tank, half, half <laughs> army cyborg. Yeah, he's the one that was in the in the arcade game, right? Exactly. That's <laughs> Bonebreaker. <laughs> um, all right. So where's this going? Um we have where where is the Santa is a mutant story that we did last Christmas. That's at number 74 right now. That's a miracle a few blocks down from 34th Street. Yes. All right. So I'm I'm not thinking this is as good as that. Um, we're going no, because right around there. there is also the demon story uh, with Kitty Pride's Christmas. And this yeah. Is not no, no, this no. Isn't this is as good as Fall of the, Fall of the Mutants. Nope. Nope. Um, oh, here's an interesting ceiling because you always you always kind of run into this as a stumbling block down at 92 we have uncanny 245 men um which is also an aussie era story is this better or worse than that i think it's worse but i okay. think it's like okay. right there all right like i don't think i don't think this is worse than the that gold balls issue of uncanny x-men yeah. uh, 35 yeah. i, I think also this like is, this better than childhood childhood's end which we reviewed recently the new x-men story right right but like i like continuities which is just a couple up from that i like continuities mm -hmm. better than this one okay okay do um all right i'm gonna let so, you choose right above or right below men i would put it above i mean just just because we've got sylvester on art here I, I think he's a better visual storyteller um and i i don't know i feel like this is a really cool story from this era so all right new, new 92? 92 all right yes. both new and 92 have been used as things for x-men titles which is weird <laughs> all right that, that's a fun one we got another fun one uh we sure do what's the third story we've got here the third story on our list and just to be clear guys we had like 10 stories on our initial list that we whittled down yeah this there's is a lot not of this a lot of Xmas, X-Men Xmas. Yeah, uh, it's like they just released a special that had a day's worth of each. <laughs> Which, by the way, guys, that Xmas special, very good. It had a lot of really good moments. Has quite possibly my favorite Glob Herman page of all time in that saying oh, something. Gosh, that really was very poetic, wasn't it? It was so good. That page was so good. <laughs> Oh my there were gosh. some real gems in that in that holiday special. There were also oh, some duds, but yes, know. there were some there were some big duds too. Hey, Charlemagne the God or whatever, Storm doesn't listen to your podcast, and Storm doesn't take advice from you, and maybe don't paint yourself as like smarter than Michelle Obama. Like you're a shock jock radio host, and even if you have a political bent, like dude, that's a bold <laughs> thing to say about yourself. In a comic book. In a one page of a comic book. Like that's that's a statement to be making. And it doesn't make you I guess it makes you come off as someone who calls himself the god. Yeah. Uh but props to um uh Chad and Chris for bringing into canon uh via arcade the Santa 
Marvel characters from the 80s and 90s house ads. Very good. <laughs> like, it was very just, good. That, that Jubilee uh, Mall of Terror story was so much fun. Um, I, so yeah, if you haven't picked that up, check that out. But that is not what we're covering here. What are we covering? We are covering Generation X number four. This is written by professional comic book writer Scott Lobdell with art by the immaculate Chris Batchelow. Yeah, um, and this continues. We were talking off air about this. But I think eventually we're just going to turn into a Generation X podcast because now we've done Phalanx Covenant, Gen X 1, 2, 3. Now we're doing number four. So we're slowly working our way up through the series. And we're going to hit another arc in like the first, the first of the first 10 issues by our uh, St. Patrick's Day special. Eventually, guys, you're going to figure out what the theme is. And it's the only three stories with this theme. And it's bananas. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is called Between the Cracks. Yes, uh, this is a story that happens at Christmas. There are Santa hats. It is snowing however i don't know how much of a christmas story this is particularly there's elves everywhere yes yes the the page layouts are really interesting here um pachalo's got this sort of like wall uh gift wrap design mm -hmm. going on in the background with these elves sleeping on the panels there's trains uh reindeer it's it's really cool um the story itself is a lot darker than little it elves is. though it is what I what I like about the let's call it the set dressing for this. Bachelor does that until there is a big spread where the villain is throwing open the door somewhere, yes. and then you see all that stuff fly off the screen and it doesn't appear again. <laughs> yeah, the it's, elf dives off the off the page when the orphan maker shows up. Right? It's very good. Yeah, uh, the orphan making shows up. We haven't talked about the orphan maker and nanny yet. They're bad. <sighs> um, they are sh they are sure interesting. And I, you know, I have to say, my I remember them from reading individual X Men comics growing mm -hmm. up and not really understanding who they were, and then being amazed when I went back and did you know, a run from like, you know, the beginning of Claremont all the way through 91 to realize that they're actually kind of significant, especially with X Factor and Inferno. I was like, yeah. oh, these guys actually are a thing. <laughs> they're not really a thing in here. The Orphan Maker does get a cool new design that was 100% to sell an action figure. Sure. Uh, I don't know that the last, I mean, uh, did this come back? I don't remember. I don't know if orphan again. makers ever came back from this. This is the last time I can remember seeing him. Hmm. Uh, um, oh, wait, 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 wait. Doesn't he get sick or something? Like I he don't remember. Or is that another? I can't keep these things straight. Um, all right. So basic premise. There is uh, a, a mutant that has held his school teacher hostage. Is that? I think that's yeah. the general premise. Yeah. And the police have the place surrounded. Gen X comes to help solve the situation. Um, but unfortunately, the teacher um, needs some kind of medication, doesn't get it in time. Teacher doesn't make it. Um, and it has some really, you know, kind of sad, tragic moments here. Yeah. And the, the kid, that's that's the thing. The kid's not a mutant. He's just deformed. Oh, right. Yes. Which is a a weird twist on this. Mm -hmm. 
it's odd. All of Gen X tries to help and they can't. Well, I say all of them. There's a couple of them that get left behind at the school and that stuff's better. Uh, there's, there's a great moment with Husk and Emma Frost. I was going to say, I like that scene a lot. Which, oh my gosh, and Emma Frost looks. I mean, Generation X Emma Frost is how everyone should look at Emma Frost because she doesn't just wear Fredericks of Hollywood knockoff clearance rack crap. She wears fashion and clothes. Oh, she's yeah. wearing a great sweater. Oh, yeah. <laughs> here. It's so like, great. Here's the thing. She's still obviously and iconically Emma Frost, but she also looks like she's a real human. Yes. Who like goes to the grocery store if she has to. Yep. Yeah, it's great how we see the characters, especially in this issue, be kind of casual, right? Mm -hmm. Whether they're being uh, wearing a Santa hat, whether they're wearing glasses, um, you know, I can't compliment the artwork here enough. It is so absolutely gorgeous um it is it is highly detailed um just every single detail on every single page the body language the the panel layouts are fascinating it's just really really well done um and this unfortunately is where gen x kind of stops for a second um you know and jumps right into the equally amazing generation next but uh, it, it it is kind of a little bit disappointing that this initial run didn't get to evolve a little bit more um, before before the crossover. Yeah, uh, Jubilee essentially makes some snide comments about, hey, we have to get canceled for Age of Apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll be back maybe? Nope, this is the Emcron Crystal. Yep. Yeah, and then it covers the last page, which is, which is just a fantastic uh, little device there. It's great. Um, I like this issue a lot. It reminds me, I and maybe we even mentioned this issue, um, this Gen X issue when we did the new X-Men Zorn story, mm -hmm. um, which has a similar premise of, you know, police with, a, you know, someone holed up inside the house with either a family member or some kind of person that the cops right. assume is a hostage. Um, Who so also needs medicine. Wow. Yeah, no, this is very much that story. They're very similar. So I don't know if Morrison was channeling this issue when he wrote that. Ain't but no way Grant Morrison actually read this issue. <laughs> Grant Morrison pretty much stopped reading X-Men like around 200 and said, OK, I got it from here. Yeah, but I, I do love, um, you know, Jubilee is great in this when she finally storms into this classroom and realizes what is going on, it's just, it's heartbreaking. It really is very effective at, you know, pounding home how tragic this particular situation is. Mm -hmm. um, so much less of a Christmas story, uh, but definitely still very Christmas themed, if you will. Right. And I like it a lot. I, I like it too. It's a, it's a issue I really like. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the, that's the distinction. It's something I have fond memories of, yes. but going back, I can see, okay, well, it's not, it's not the strongest issue out there. Yeah. I don't think it's up to the first three issues in terms of world building. This is clearly, no. you know, meant to be a, an in-between. Um, and that's why I would have liked to have seen at least another arc or two before they got into Gen Next so that we could see this team evolve and we could see Chris get to play with them a little bit more visually. Um, mm -hmm. Not that I'm complaining, because when we eventually get to Generation Next, it is one of my favorites of all time. It is absolutely gorgeous, yeah, as is really this. Good. 
So where do you think this goes on our list? Um, we have new X-Men 127 at it's, it's lower 28. than 28. It's way lower than that. Uh, okay. Where I'm where I'm kind of looking as a starting point. Mm-hmm. Uh, end of Grays is at number 65, and I think this is below that. Okay, I think that's fair. Um, but I'd say it's above Battle of the Atom at 77. Okay, well, that gives us a good window to work with. Um, I think this is better than Gambit and the Externals at 71, which also has some really solid Jubilee stuff in the first couple issues. That is very good. Um, How... How about House of M? Is this better than House of M? I think this is better than House of M. I don't know if it's better than that time Captain America kind of showed up for Magneto hunting Nazis. That's it. All right. I think that's a good ceiling for it. So um, is this our new 69? It is. It is. Uh, Nice. Man, you know, you know, I made a point. I made a point (laughs) on the Internet to say, hey, we got through episode 69 of our podcast without being immature, mostly because we forgot what number we were on. But still, and you have to go, you're you're supposed to be the adult here. You're supposed to be the straight man, Adam. I'm supposed to be the immature guy with all the goofs. And you just you're just throwing off my vibe this holiday season. You want to say it? I mean, I could I could throw it back to you. You know, I could be like, and Gen X4 is our new 69. Go. Nice. <laughs> there you go. You got to do it. We have children. We're adults. <laughs> we pay taxes. I assume I pay taxes. Adam, you do you. Yeah, no, I I pay taxes. Taxation um, is theft. Anyway. Yes, uh, listeners, you can pay them too. You probably do it whether you want to or not. Um, all right. That was three. Not bad. That is, I mean, no, it's not bad. Uh, that is it for this great holiday uh, episode. Uh, I think it was a lot of fun. It's been a really exciting year as far as X-Men is concerned. It's been an exciting year personally for me. I've had a lot of stuff go on in my life. Uh, so it's been really fun. And Adam, it's been a really fun time getting through this uh, this year. Yeah, no, I love doing this show. So uh Merry Christmas to you and yours and to everybody who's listening. Uh, we hope you guys have a happy holiday. I know we're a little bit late for the Hanukkah, but uh, enjoy Christmas. Enjoy the new year, Kwanzaa, uh, whatever you like to do. Get together with people you love and enjoy your, each other's company. That was a great ending, Adam. And I wish we would have already done all of the advertising and the plugging so that we, could, right, just, we right. could just walk out on that. Hey, Adam, <laughs> uh, what you got going on? Where can people find you? All right, guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. Um, new pages of uh, Bish and Jubes, Attack of the Mansion are going up every X-Men Monday at adamrec.tumblr.com. And just the day that we're recording this, I actually started uh, a Patreon um, so if you guys want to, you know, get some insider artwork and, uh, some stuff delivered to you behind the scenes, sketches, that kind of stuff, it's at patreon.com slash Adam Zach, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me online at xavierfiles.com. That is the big old website where I've got all of my stuff. I've got reviews. I've got news articles i've got this podcast i got whatever you want i got it if i there's something you want that i don't have let me know and we'll see what we can do about that uh 
But uh, also you can find me on Twitter at Xavier Files, where I try and be nice and positive about all sorts of X-Men things and fail spectacularly. <laughs> I really want to be a nice guy, everyone. I'm trying, trying my darndest. I think I think you're doing OK, Zach. I, I'm I having a crisis was of faith, a hard time about that, but uh, <laughs> I don't no, buy it's, it. It's a, it's all right. I here's the thing. And we shouldn't get into this on air, but I'm already going. Guys, I read a lot of bad X-Men comics. It's kind of my hobby. Mm-hmm. So I talk about bad comics a lot. There's good X-Men comics, and I'm only reading these bad comics because I find some weird, perverse enjoyment out of them. <laughs> like, I'm doing this from a place of love. Hence this show. This show, we talked about good comics this time. No, that's true. I didn't mean this episode. I, I mean, just in general. We did. We we have been on a spiel of really bad episodes. <laughs> Actually, I think the episodes themselves were great. The content we were covering, less so. Yes, I'm still trying to figure out what a witchblade is. <laughs> oh, 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 oh! Uh, I believe it was friend of the show uh, Nir Ravel, who's a Patreon supporter, and I'm gonna plug the Patreon crap in a second. Uh, he informed me that that was not the first time Witchblade and Wolverine have met what no there was a (laughs) entire crossover event between top cow and marvel oh gotta check that out there was a wolverine witchblade series in that i still don't think these are related okay still a standalone i still feel like this is a standalone because i can't imagine that one ended with wolverine getting his mind wiped and said (sighs) hey in seven years you're gonna get married to witchblade (sighs) oh Oh, um, anyway, hey, if you want to make us talk about bad comics, and trust me, they're out there, you can go over to patreon.com slash Xavier Files. You go there and you can, uh, what's it called? Oh, support this podcast. That's pretty much what that goes to at this point. It keeps the Xavier Files website running and it keeps the podcast afloat. Pays for like Marvel Unlimited and for stuff and things. Uh Everyone who both lives in the U.S. and is a current Patreon supporter who gave me their address got something special in the mail that you should have received by now. If you haven't, you'll probably be receiving it any day now. Uh, Except for when this goes up, it's going to be Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So maybe mail is late. Who knows? Uh, But like that's what Patreon goes towards. But what you get out of it besides fun little gifts is you going to make us read whatever we whatever you want. We are your puppets. At certain levels, you get to just pick all of the uh, things for an episode and make us do very bizarre themes, like what we're covering next week. That It's my favorite theme for an episode we've done because it's so specific. It's going to be very good. Uh, anyway, uh, I think that I think that wraps it up pretty much for uh, for this week. Uh, I think this has been good. Happy holidays all. Merry Christmas, Adam. Merry Christmas, Zach. And, uh, oh, before we leave, uh, guys, instead of our normal outro, uh, I did something special for you. Oh, I'm so excited about this. <laughs> I did I did something special for you. It really sums up a lot of my feelings about the holidays. And you know what? I hope you survive the experience. Victor and Boom Boom and Forging Love
Thurman, Chamber and Gambit, Cable, Nina Thurman. But do you recall the most obscure X-Men of all? Maggot the blue-skinned X-Man had the slugs within his gut. And if he wanted to eat, they would always take their cut. None of the other X-Men really wanted him around. They always left poor Maggot sitting there with a big frown. Then in X-Men 70, Logan came to say, Maggot, we're so full of fright. Won't you eat this bomb tonight? Maggot had saved the X-Men, but they just went about their day. Maggot, the blue-skinned X-Men, would languish in obscurity. Happy holidays, everyone, from us at Battle of the Atom.